Tobias Carlyle is the founder and principal of Acquire's Funds. For regulatory reasons, he will not discuss any of the Acquire's Funds on this podcast. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Acquire's Funds or affiliates. For more information, visit acquiresfunds.com. Hey, it's Tobias here. If you want to learn a little bit about my firm or see my portfolio, head on over to acquirersfunds.com. And we're live. It's 10.30 a.m. on the West Coast, 1.30 p.m. on the East Coast, 6.30 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, which I think means it's 6.30 p.m. UK time. How are you doing, fellas? Living the dream. Happy to be here. Confined to quarters again in California. Oh yeah, what's up? We're, we're confined to houses again in California. But my uh, my kid, my my little fellow's finally had his first day of school yesterday. <laughs> that sucks that you guys are locked in again. I didn't realize that. I don't know how it works. I to tell you the truth, <laughs> I don't really notice a difference yet. I don't know if you've. <laughs> Yeah. No, there's it's no like difference. People are still just kind of going about their lives. Congrats to Donald Trainer who got released from Guantanamo Bay and is now in Carlsbad, California, just in time for the lockdown in California. Oh, God. <laughs> He's probably better. Anyway, whose turn is it to introduce the episode? I kind of feel like I haven't done it probably in like JT. six months. Maybe yeah. I should do it, huh? Do I try it. to hide from that. Uh, <laughs> welcome, Value After Hours. I'm one host, Jake Taylor. We've got Toby and Bill. Toby, what do you have on deck for today? Um, I've been looking at uh, a few of the more interesting names out there just in terms of their reinvestment rates and what the kind of future might look for them as a group. I just sort of want to talk about capital allocation uh, with you guys a little bit, just bat it back and forth and see see what you think. William? Uh, I'm going to talk about why I invest actively. Ooh. Big thoughts. Big <laughs> thoughts. Big and deep. What are you, right? what are you on, yeah. JT? Uh, I've got a little segment prepared that I'm calling Magic Numbers. We'll Ooh. see if it's worth a shit or not. But <laughs> I guess uh, right after this. <laughs> Who wants to take it away today? Hey, real quick, though, before that, uh, dude, I think everyone who's listening, if you guys are fans of what we do on this you know, three bozos. You're gonna love two bozos. Really Shout out to deep. the main homie, Greenback. Yeah, we're. You guys are gonna like this. I think you're gonna get a a, a taste and a, a view of Toby that you've you've never probably had, and I think it it'll it'll you'll enjoy it. So looking forward to that one. Bill and I did a three hour interview, and the uh, the first hour I was able to maintain professional cover, and then <laughs> Decorum, the, yeah. you just you just forget. Two hours in, I was, I forgot that I was. On a, on a podcast, it's very dangerous. You know, <laughs> you know, I was listening to it, and the amount of times that we referred to each other as dude, I was like, okay, we, we sort of dude it out on this. <laughs> I mean, I might as well take it, because it's actually a reasonably good segue. Um, I've, been, I've been struggling to work lately, like, pretty hard, and I know that a lot of people are like, yeah, dude, everybody is, shut up, but... Um, like there's something about coming up with a really good idea that takes a lot of creativity uh, and like real energy, and I've I have not had the motivation to like really pursue that, and I think this podcast has uh, a fair amount 
like this is like my passion project right now, right? So I'm sort of like my attention's diverted. And I found myself thinking like, well, like the S&P is racing and what am I doing? And like, I'm going to fall behind and I'm going to outperform. And then I sort of are underperform, right? And then I took a step back and I was just kind of like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Right. If the, it, And I guess I'm in a, in a different position than a fund manager. Right. But fundamentally, like the reason that I do this is I really, really enjoy life as an investor. And right now I'm just kind of taking a pause from that. Um, and I realized that, you know, maybe putting the pencil down for two weeks to pursue other stuff or let your brain rest like really isn't the end of the world. And I found myself feeling like I had to work not all the time because I mean, I'm obviously dicking around on Twitter and stuff, but like my brain was always stimulated all the time. And I think that like taking this time off, I don't know, has been like a real brain rest and, and having this podcast side project has helped. Right. And it's not exactly a brain rest cause I'm like obsessed with that thing, but it's been nice to have something else to do. Would you say that, uh, if it was March, 2020, maybe it's not, not like the opportunity cost of taking a break would be pretty high, but where we kind of find ourselves today might be like, eh, I'm going to go for a walk instead of like really trying to force it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that March was so like adrenaline, uh, driven that I didn't even want to walk away. Right. But now, um, and I think it is sort of the culmination of a big year, just sort of like, I don't know if it's new year's and just got me thinking about like, what the hell am I doing? And maybe just relax for a bit instead of doing whatever so i don't know i noticed there was a dramatic drop off in the amount of email that i got after thanksgiving like since mm -hmm. the, the last week and a, and a bit i think people are tired people got to thanks people like got to get it all done by thanksgiving and then after thanksgiving they're like Whew, that's 2020 in the <laughs> that's 2020 done 2020's in the can <laughs> Well, See, I've got 2021. A lot of, like, family stuff I'm working through too, so that diverts some attention. But like, as far as what's going on in the market, I just could care less. Yeah, I, I mean, it's everything's so expensive at the moment. I, I find anything that I think is interesting that I look at, you know, in a discretionary sense, is uh, like just sixty percent overvalued, sixty percent to like any any kind of conservative kind of valuation for good stuff. Melt up, Tina. But here's the thing. So if we melt up, then, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, I, then I'm going to sell everything and just hang out. Yeah. Then, what if I then told I'll, you that we already melted up, Bill? Um, then I'd have to hold some stuff. Okay. I'm, I'm fine. Like, I mean, whatever. If you want to sell some of the stuff I have, I, I don't really care. I dug through. Which is the nice thing about owning some quality shit. I went through some of the names that people have thrown out on the podcast, uh, on, on my other podcast, just, just to sort of see some of the names that people more deeply research. And I had a look at Trade Desk. Have you guys seen the chart on Trade Desk? Yeah. No. I've seen a lot of these charts and I've seen that chart. They're I think that one, they're, they're, like they're all, here's the thing, they're all very similar. All of these stocks sort of basically take off in like 2018 and they all, they all yeah. go from probably being undervalued in 2018 to being like very overvalued now but trade desk is the most egregious one that i could find so far like for the ones that i've kind of looked at that i'm interested in owning trade desk is uh if you guys pull up the chart on that one just uh set your faces to stun that's that's pretty impressive well it's a lot of them and that's sort of when you know uh like look if all of them do the same thing 
I just don't buy that every company has gotten that much better. I just don't. Well, now, the underlying the, hasn't the technical, done that. What? The underlying hasn't done that. It's just the price. Yeah, that's right. And the perception. And to be fair, like they did accelerate a lot of adoption of tech and that that is a big barrier to adoption. And now people are more integrated to it. I don't I don't deny that. I'll tell you what, I am tired of Zoom and I am tired of Peloton. Like those two the stocks things, I am just bored of. Things. No, the things. Oh, yeah. Like somebody asked me the other day, do I want to get on a Zoom call? I was like, no, just call me on the phone. I don't want to see your face. Yeah, that's right. That's a thing, right? The yeah. fatigue of having to stare, having to stare at people all the time. Yeah. Are you tired like of writing your Peloton? I want to on the other side of the phone. I don't want you to see it. <laughs> Are you not riding your Peloton now? I just did. Oh, I thought you said you're tired of it. I am a little tired of it, but okay. I wrote it. I, right. I just, I'm like, I'm missing the gym. What we need is a subscription service for a bike that you can take outside. It's like twenty nine ninety nine a month. We'll sell you the frame. <laughs> Anytime your tires go go flat, we'll give you and a tire. And it goes places. And it goes places. It's outside. Yeah, Incredible is, scenery. I so want, realistic. I want music and I want a trainer. That is what Peloton. That's the we'll throw in some AirPods. Like, we'll, yeah, we'll tape an iPad to it. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fine. Yeah, just charge me two thousand dollars and you got something. The um, the thing about it that I, I was thinking about this today. Could you bring Peloton to the gym? And I think you could. I think it could travel, but I do think it's going to be weird to have your phone and your trainer with you at the gym. As in, you it's could be odd. You could. You, there's a Peloton in the hotel, and you log in as yourself. Yeah, but there's there's like actually an app, right? And it's on your phone, and it'll have your your workouts, strength workouts, and whatever. I mean, it's it's a personal training program as well as a bike. It's just the personal training is hmm. not that personal. Impersonal. Right. Yes, it's more of like classes through a screen. It's arm's length. <laughs> yes, it's COVID-appropriate training. Where's, anyway. where's Peloton trading now? Like, is it a, is it a? It's got to be in terms of valuation. <laughs> I'm about to be. Yeah, make sure you're sitting down first. Uh, oh my God, this thing's a thirty-five billion dollar company. Get the fuck out of here. What's it, what's it making? What a, what a ridiculous valuation. I'm sure somebody's like, my, I got my whole fund in it. You don't understand. All right, whatever. <laughs> you may not. Anyway. What, what's it make? What? In in cash? Yeah. I don't know, dude. You're going to make me go through all this I stuff. Just the valuation I... is screamingly high. That's the answer. I mean, if it's... People are underwriting some big, hairy, audacious goal of 100 million users. All right. We'll see how we're doing in two years. It may work. Like, it may. 100 million users globally? Y yeah. Look, dude. Not in the States. Saying, <laughs> Two for every household. Thing. I, I, think it's I think it's global. I don't even care. At the end of the day, you're paying $35 billion for an in-home gym. When have they ever stuck? For a future coat rack. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. The most important thing is that it, it has to fold up to go under your bed. That's oh, the most yeah. important by feature. The way, here we go. My man, Value Stock Geek, 186 or 126 times EV to EBIT. Oh, that's expensive. Now people Hard. are going to be like, well, EBIT's slow, and they're investing through the income statement. It's still all subscale. I get it. That is crazy. It's only, two, it's only 200 crazy, times EV EBIT. Dude, if that's not crazy, the whole basket is 100% crazy. Like, it, 
if that is maybe the one that I'm wrong on, there's not a chance I'm wrong on all these. And whatever. You think I'm wrong? Bet it. I could care less. I have no exposure and I could care less. Enjoy your life. <laughs> right? so what phase of uh, of loss is this in the uh, seven phases? Kubler, like Kubler Ross. Or, yeah. Stages of grief. Where are we at? I, I mean, we're close to anger. <laughs> I'm really not angry. I guess the only thing that I'm angry about is uh, I don't know. I'm 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 angry about like what a what a bad name not owning some of that stuff has gotten. Um, but then again, you know that's sort of the two camps of investors, and that's fine. I do I do want to own one one day. Like if I could find one that I could call Minion Capital, I'm looking forward to talking to him. I, he's a smart dude. If he said like fish here for this reason and start learning. I'd be open to that. I'm just not finding the name on Twitter. Fuck that. Somebody here says you need to take boxing classes now. Because <laughs> of what think, I'm rocking? I think they're offering to hand out the punches. Yeah, and they just want to punch you in the face. I think that's what he's saying. Oh, Lots of why? aggression to release. It is, well, you know, we're, aggression. we're all sound aggressive in the value. So what, what innings are we in? Probably two. Two. Back to two? We rolled back an inning? <laughs> yeah, Shit. I think we did. I think we did. Didn't we correct the last two days? <sighs> did we? I don't know. I thought we were at all-time highs. The The answer, like if you if, if someone says, where are we? If you just say all-time highs, there's a, there's like a 50-50 chance that you're right in this market on any given day. I don't mean to sound that angry. It's just when I look at Peloton and it's a $35 billion company, it, it's insane to me. Here we go. Peloton for boxing. Boxing as a service. <laughs> that, that boxing as a service is basically mirror. Oh, is that mirror? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Of course, somebody's already thought about it. Thought of it. They're, yeah, of they're good products. I'm not like a product hater. I just don't understand how you can spend that much money on that product if you want to own the equity. I don't and like you're Zoom. going to face dilution. I, I'm a product hater. I don't like Zoom. Yeah, that's different. I, I log into it five times a day to get my kids into school, so I just I'm tired of it. There's got to be a better way to log in. Yeah, I don't know. But some we'll see, man. Maybe all this makes sense. It'll be an interesting ten years from here. Let, let's let's turn this back into an investing podcast. Oh, okay. Instead of is it not <laughs> random gripe session? <laughs> Whatever. You guys take over. Uh, Toby, you want to talk about your? Yeah, so I've just been I, I've been like looking at some of the better performed businesses out there, just sort of just to try and back into some of the valuations and see, uh, you know, what's interesting. So, and I, basically, the way that I did it, I just went through a list of the guys who've been on the podcast and the names that they had thrown out. Um, got a really interesting one coming up with Elliot Turner where he talks about Twitter. I don't want to talk about that one too much, but I think that he's found something super interesting uh, in Twitter because it's been, you know, I love the product. I think lots of people love the product. It's just been hilarious how badly managed it seems to have been. Part-time CEO. Uh, and it's, you know, the lesser of the two companies that he's part-time CEO of. He's clearly a very smart guy, though. He's probably still doing quite well, but the uh, the business behind it has been what looked like a bit of a shambles, and it sort of turned into maybe with Elliot, who was a very scary hedge fund, 
and Silver Lake is a very smart kind of private equity VC tech kind of private equity firm. Probably something good's going to happen there. And he seems to um, Elliot sort of demonstrates that I think that that's the case. But I don't want to give too much away there. Too late. So I went through I went through a list of names. Like Trade Desk was one of the ones that I was just sort of Trade Desk is interesting, but it's wow, it's expensive. And I was just you know we've talked about this before, but what's a the question I guess I have is do those base rates continue to apply to these sort of businesses that are networked? And I know that that's a, that should, you know, is this time different? That should make everybody really nervous when they hear those those words. But I just, so I think you, you introduced it, JT, on a, on a podcast a few months ago where we were talking about Mobison's base rates that he, he brings out sort of uh, it's like revenue growth, return on invested capital. Like, what what proportion of companies can sustain these? So, like, a fifty. If you've got fifty billion dollars in sales, what's the likelihood that in one decade you continue to have, uh, you know, extraordinarily high growth rates? And so, you know, it's 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 hard when you look at these things because they're all expensive, but they are all very good businesses too. So. If you assume that they can they can maintain their rate of reinvestment, and they're very high rates of reinvestment on very small capital bases, even though they're expensive, you know they can continue to grow very rapidly. If you just assume that there's no fade in any of those rates, then they're probably going to be you're going to make a lot of money out of these businesses. But if you assume any kind of fade rate, so like they don't continue to be exceptional businesses in a decade, so if you Basically, if you assume 25 years, that's no fade. There's no fade at all in the margin. So there's somewhere between 25 and, say, a decade do these fade to kind of reasonable businesses. And I just found that basically the entire decision rests on how quickly these companies fade to average. It makes me a little bit nervous. Like I, Some of them are clearly going to last the 25 years. I mean, I don't know which ones, but it's it's... You know, Amazon is still a beast, even at the size that it's at. I don't know if it can continue to grow at the rate that it has, but it continues to like it's still, it's still got a very high return on invested capital. It's still an exceptional business. It's hard to see how anybody really competes with it, other than maybe Shopify, kind of doing a. You know, Shopify has rebels against the the empire, funding the rebels against the empire. Like I, I think that Shopify is a very, very robust approach to it. And Shopify's, you know, growing rap- rapidly, massive return, massive returns, just again, so like expensive. crazy expensive. Like uh, it's hard to see how you make much money out of that over the next decade, you even if it keeps on doing what it's that, doing. You got to get rid of that limiting belief that valuation matters. <laughs> well, that, that that that's entirely true. If I just ignore that, the returns would be much better over the last few years. I mean, I think that's a there's a good question on the board. How long before cloud becomes a commodity? I mean, I. I don't know the answer, but it can't be. It's not. It's not forever. Like twenty-five years, that would be a long time, right? Ten years. I just don't know what you're bitching about because I have this up here, and it's it's only trading at twenty-two point seven times twenty twenty-four gross profit. Shop. <laughs> no, the trade desk. You just need I'll to extend desk. your time horizon. That's the problem. Well, it, like it, being being sort of like. We're always a little bit facetious about this, but you put interest rates to zero. Like it's probably not entirely unreasonable to think that you can you bring all of that forward without discounting it. 
what do you, I mean, okay, let's actually like go into the constituent parts of, that make up that number. Like you, how do people get comfortable coming up with a revenue number that far out and a, and a margin that's even harder. Like, cause a lot of that has to do with competitive dynamics, right? How do you, yeah. I mean, you, you know what to put analysis. in or do you just like know what the number you need to get to and then you solve for, well, I need a uh, 80% gross margins. All right. Plug that in. <laughs> I, th I think that I can almost understand the 2024 number. It's the 2030 number that you have to believe in that I really can't get to. I think you can see it, like not, not see out, but there's probably not much diminution in a business over five years or there's not much of a change. You just assume some modest fade over five years. Of it, but it, out to 10 years. Like, none of these numbers work. If you that's right. That. Well, out to 10 years, they certainly don't. That's the problem. So and ten years, I think, is Bill, pretty Bill modest. Who's who's the like a guru when it comes to forecasting, right? He's done all the forecasting research. Um, he says that anything past five years in a forecast, you can pretty much laugh it off because it's they're never accurate. So more than five years, like he ignores anyone who says anything that's more than five years out, and it's safe to ignore that. So. I don't know. How are these people getting comfortable with numbers that are 10, 20 years out? I just find the whole thing to be a little laughable myself, but much to my poverty detriment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. You just, you gotta be, you gotta believe a lot of things and you gotta believe that a lot of things are winner take all. And I guess that there's an argument to be made that data is the new oil or whatever. And there's going to be some, what it's a commodity that sometimes you got to pay to give it away. Ooh, dang, hot take. Fire. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, you just got to believe a lot of rosy stuff. It's, that's how you get there. I mean, the, the counter-argument is, because I know there are folks out there just pulling their hair out listening to us talk about this. The counter-argument is that these are good businesses. They're probably still going to be pretty good businesses in five years' time. And you get another, if you just think, well, I'll just look out five years, and then in five years' time, I'll look out another five. In five years' time, they're probably still going to be pretty good businesses. They probably haven't faded to the average business by that point. And if yeah, you can, I'm very curious. I mean, Microsoft, great business in 1999. Go. It took you what 13 years, 14 years to get to start making money again in it. Are all these people that long on their horizons? Where if they're going to sit in something for 14 years before it starts? getting into positive territory again i don't know we'll find out yeah that's right but you also had to foresee that they became a software as a service i mean they had the, the thing that made it really hard the, the, the when everybody was pitching it in like 2011 12 13 that kind of when it was like a at the all the value congress it got pitched yeah. a few times at value congress and uh the problem was that they had their first year of revenue dropping in the i think in the life of the the business and so then the question was do they keep growing again or can they sustain their margins if the revenue is coming back at some you, you had to kind of you know uh, take my hat off to uh, alex science of science of hitting because that was when he bought and he hasn't sold so he's he just said it's good enough where it is as a value stock and then he's caught the ride as it's become a growth stock and held on the whole way through which I think it is sounds hard, like this... a much different skew that bet, but what do I know? I'm a noob. What do you mean? It sounds like a different skew. It sounds like his bet was a his his was a good bet. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah. It's a completely different conversation. To where it is now. I'm looking eight, at the I'm looking at the free cash flow estimate on Trade Desk. Right? You're looking at one and a half time free cash flow yield, 2024 consensus free cash flow. One and a half percent. That's tight. And it's what not. What happens if that goes to three? And it's not paying out that free cash flow. That it's reinvesting. Like this is the this is the this is the difficulty that you have with these things. Like it's it's. I think that I, from the top of my head, the free cash flow was like 125 million. Is that right? Something like that. Uh, 132. Yeah. 132, and then. Well, yes, but that that's inclusive of share based. Okay, just so we're so on the same telling page. Telling me there's a chance. But then you have a look at their financing cash flow line. Like they've they've also raised like 100. I might have been 128, something like that. But I, I just looked at that and I was like, well, there's no real free cash flow here. They're re- I mean, that's that's not that's not that's reinvesting. So it might be a great thing. Like they're clearly reinvesting at a very high rate. So it's going to grow very rapidly for a long period of time. So it's a, I'm not I'm not criticizing the stock. I'm just criticizing the assumptions or thinking about the, cons- the assumptions that I want to make to get comfortable buying something like that. And I kind of want to see it down ninety percent before I think. <laughs> it's it's not going to get that cheap. That's why I'm a deep I, value guy. Oh, I don't know, man. Let's... I'd be interested in in LS Values take. That guy's been pretty right on this name for a while, if I recall correctly. But I don't know, man. Not. I mean, there's just a lot of dilution, and it's a long time to wait. And I saw a lot of people panic in March, so we'll see. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that's the really the better way to do it is to get your list of things that you really want to own, and then you're going to get some. And this is uh, Value Stock Geek pointed this one out to me. Thanks very much, Value Stock Geek. Uh, you get this uh, fear and greed gets under twenty once a year. Go to take your shopping. Take your shopping bag and go and pick up a few things off the shelves when they all go on sale once a year. And you, you don't have to fill up, like just get your little starter position in them or get some and uh, keep some cash. And then I think, I think you can kind of squeeze your way into these things over time at pretty good, at, at, a, at least a better valuation. Like I, I just don't think now is the time to be going and doing it. If you go and look at fear and greed, it's the other way. It's, it's telling you to be very, very careful. If things are expensive, fear and greed's off the charts. Put call ratios off the charts. This is this is as bulled up as anybody gets. This is this here's, is February 2020. Here's what I do think is sort of interesting. When you start to get to put call ratios off the charts and like I've been listening to more of these like market guys. You know, a lot of people are saying liquidity is just not there. And you know, the the I mean, evaluation is sort of the next price that somebody has to pay to get the shares out of your hand, right? Uh, at least in the short term. It's just so, so, so that last line again. Valuation is the well, like pr- price is just where something trades, right? Right. It's so just the, yeah. you've got like this this shareholder base that's just one and one and one and one, and they have like, I mean, you cannot deny that the tra- the trade desk shareholders have made a ton of money. So now you got a, a huge run up in a stock that you like on a business that you think is going to dominate for a long time, and if you bought early. You know, you got to incur taxes to, yeah. to sell that. Like, I understand why the shares are hard to acquire and why the price would go higher, but that's like a supply-demand dynamic. That's not like a valuation dynamic. The shares are trading. I, just, I mean, that's yeah. yeah sorry, I understand. <laughs> state the blindingly obvious, but that like to get there, there's clearly some marginal seller there at each price because they're, they're they are actually going through. There's quite a lot of volume. Yeah, yeah, I, I you're right, but I just think that the incremental. I mean, it's obvious by the price, right? The incremental demand exceeds the the supply of sellers, but 
it just seems to me that we're closer to trading on that dynamic than we are valuations. Do you think it's a, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's the one thing that I found going across all of these stocks that are kind of better businesses. I just thought, I think that the, to, to the one criticism of that I have that is fair about me is that I just haven't looked at these because they're so expensive. I've just ignored them because they're just, they're not things that I would buy, but I thought I should go through and have a buy price for all of these stocks. So I just went through and created and not completely, but creating my list of like where I would buy these things, where I would feel comfortable that you're going to get about a 10% IRR to their fade over a decade, just to give you an idea of how I'm doing it. And I, every single one of them is like 50 to 60% over where I think you can get that, which means that you, you, you kind of, you almost, I mean, what that means is that you're basically not going to get much return for the next decade out of these things, even if they keep on doing what they're doing. Or you're fading too quickly, right? That, that, that's that's the other thing. Well, that's why I'm trying to get an idea whether I am fading too quickly, and we should be looking at, you know, maybe we should be using slightly different metrics. But I'm also aware that we're, I'm asking that question right at the very top. Well, not at the top, but in a very bulled up market. Third inning. Third inning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look. I think my sense is that these will probably outperform what the base rates are. So we'll probably have a step change up mm. in base rates. That said. Um, so the previous, if we use Bayesian updating, the previous base rates are not applicable as a population to correct. this new batch. So this time is different. Yeah. I, and I think, yes, I okay. think for, for the revenue model that these companies have and for how quickly they can land and expand, I think, yeah, it's very possible. But I also think like a lot of these valuations require believing on in people being able to have product extensions and people being able to land and expand. And it's, this is why I always say as a bucket, right? Like, or as a basket, like yeah. it seems to me that once you start to get to this aggregate valuation, they have to all succeed bumping into each other. Yeah. And maybe that's like, maybe that's way too simplistic and maybe the TAMs are just way, way bigger than my pea brain can ever, you know, um, fathom but i guess why i'm so skeptical on it is you're forecasting so far out in the future and we're still early in a trend and i just think that those two combinations combined with human greed and groupthink lead people to have a huge bias towards the upside of that because it's motivated like motivated reasoning comes in and then price fulfills you know that reasoning and then it becomes destiny and then you get stories of how reflexivity is reality and like you know the the, the story just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger right and when the share prices are going up very few people say like guys this is bullshit um, well, you get to feel very smart too right like you saw something that no one else saw and now you're getting paid for it and you're getting paid like every day. Yeah. Boy, and talk about paid a wiring lot. a lot. And like, you know what? They're playing a, I mean, I don't know that it's a smarter game. They're playing, they're getting richer than I am, but like, I'm doing fine. Whatever. I'm here talking about not working this month. So it's not like I'm crying, <laughs> you know, I think but, you're right though about, I mean, we've talked about this, the total eventual supply of all of these things that they're supposed to be doing in a, you know b2b or b2c kind of way like how do they not run into each other and start competing i mean it's just it doesn't make any sense to me i mean the other thing is you don't have to do anything with these companies at this price either you know i, I look back, it was only 2018 that they were all trading pretty cheaply it could easily happen like in the next few years 
I think Phil Ordway on uh, John Mihalkovich's podcast said that said it the right way. He was like, I don't want to start talking about these companies valuations because I think it distorts how people think of things. Right. And like, I'm just interested in learning about these companies that I think is the right approach. I just get super nervous when I read about how great CrowdStrike is. And then the one guy that I call that, like, I really trust is like, stay as far away as possible from that thing. Right. And it's like, okay. I mean, I trust him over Wall Street 10 out of 10 times. On the basis of the business or on the basis of the valuation? Uh, he's he's just like look at what they, look at how long they have to do what they're doing for the valuation, oh, I see. like the the implications, and then find me a cybersecurity firm that's done that sustainably over time. And he's like, it's a terribly difficult space to grow in, and, and this guy worked in it. So what? I'm gonna believe your research report? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Uh, he, he might be wrong, right? Like it's possible, but if I'm going to risk my own capital, I'm not fading somebody that I trust over something I read in a document. No way. I think Dude, we should... I read it on Twitter. It's got to be. It's got to be gotta true. Be real. It's got to be true. Uh, let's do JTs. We're gonna we're gonna run out of time for questions at the end. People are gonna oh. hate this episode. We're gonna get so much hate mail. I know. I feel like uh, it's which, the which bar part has been. T- Raised too high for these value segments. Just I a bunch of grumpy value guys <laughs> railing on growth. Yeah, you just don't get it, man. It's, it's a new possible. paradigm. It's called returns on scale. All right. Why not? So I uh, I titled this one "Magic Numbers," and I, I noticed in different contexts, you know, the physical world, biology, that. There are occasionally these weird numbers that kind of just pop up randomly, and it's like, well, why the hell is that the number that shows up uh, consistently? So the first one is a, in a river. The meandering of a river is has this mathematical function that is called sinuosity, so like a sine wave. And in both simulations and empirical data, uh, this this meandering process kind of self-organizes the river's morphology. Like a river will kind of evolve into a certain shape and length. And the bends in the river are caused by erosion. So what happens is the 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 outside of the river on the bend is moving faster than the inside. And it, it will erode the dirt and and keep moving further out. And what ends up happening, the water that's moving slower on the inside will deposit dirt there. And so you get these these turns of the river. Well, balanced against that, eventually if it gets too kinked, the water will basically cut through the, that line and or will take the shortest direction and will create what are called like an oxbow lake. So it's like, it kind of takes the straight path shortcut and it makes like a little lake out of it. And so you have this tension between between the, the erosion and the oxbow lake effect. And what's weird is that there's this mathematical relationship where the river's total length, like if you followed it along, and the source to the mouth length, when you divide those together, you end up with pi. What? So 3.14, roughly. Yes. Dang. So, like, why the hell is that a number that just shows up? I don't think anyone knows the answer to that based on – I couldn't find it. Uh, looking for like, well, what's the ex- like, what's the causal explanation for why we get a uh, 3.1 out of this? And this is on average. Uh, it's like, not 3.1, sir. What? 
pi? Well, it's a very okay. specific number, sir. Don't round it, round it off. I was rounding a little bit. He did say pi. Yeah, you I could say pi. He did you say pi. Give it the respect it deserves. So the this there, is like there Fibonacci the... sequences. Sorry. Right. Continue. People don't like this when I do this. That's <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> so yes, there are uh, there are variations based on you know geography and topology of the land that will that will change that. But when you like average these things out, you end up with pi, which is like, why the hell is that the case? I thought you were going to say they all okay. sort of roughly follow the same shape and i was going to say well that's just because water's the same viscosity roughly and and then you but no pi that's that was a little bit unexpected i gotta say yeah pretty random kind of a magic number yeah um, so the next one is uh you guys might i think we've talked about this a little bit maybe not but um jeffrey west who's this uh he's a physicist uh and bunch of other stuff pretty polymath guy he wrote this book called scale and you can watch the ted talk that gives you like most of uh what's in the book it's quite interesting but he's talking about how like he if you gave west some census data about your city he could tell you how many gas stations you probably have how many patents you produced what the gdp of like your little area was and it's it's all based on these mathematical relationships and it actually emerges from like the topology, like the structure of the networks in a city. Um, and they're like the, the human element of the like spread across this, this topology leads to these mathematical relationships that are, are, are repeatable throughout, like doesn't matter the culture, which is quite interesting. So it, you know, in like in the case of patents and even like crime as well, there's this super linearity that's demonstrated. So you have, for every doubling of the population, you end up with like 1.15 as much uh, of like over and above what a doubling would be. Um, and so it's non, it's not a perfect like, you know, oh, well, we doubled the population. We get twice as many, twice as much crime, twice as much. No, it's it's 1.15. And across like different domains, too. It's like, well, why the hell does that happen? Right. Like, where's these and what is numbers it? come? What's the ex what's the reason? We don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know if we know like exactly the like which way the arrows point in these things. Like, there's just sort of these emo emergent phenomena based on when you have interacting networks uh, or you know nodes in a network. Can you work Actual backwards laws and of sort? Yeah. Can you work backwards and seed, like the you know if you know that you want some sort of outcome, you seed a university in somewhere and you get. I mean, maybe is Not, that hasn't been considered? Wasn't wasn't part I mean, of is that. Is that what China's been trying to do? Like, you know, they've got how many, a hundred cities that are more than a million people? I don't know. Um, there's this other interesting mathematical relationship that's called Kleber's law. And it has to do with, in biology, with um, the metabolic rate of an animal compared to its mass. And so, like, there's this kind of relationship where the bigger the, the animal, the slower its metabolic rate, the slower its heart rate, um, like, I don't know, a blue whale has, well, its heart will beat like, I don't know, four or five times per minute. Whereas like the pygmy shrew is like 10,000 times a minute or something like that. <laughs> uh, and has like a much higher, like a, a much, much higher metabolism than, than the blue whale. Um, so there's like another number there that emerges. So, <clears throat> all right, we, we've demonstrated this in sort of like the world of physics 
there's these weird numbers that come up in the world of biology. There's these weird numbers that come up. What about in like human, you know, and, and in the investing context? Um, you know, I, a cu couple interesting things. Like one is, you know, Gr Jeremy Grantham talking about how profit margins are like the most mean reverting data set. Right. And it's yeah. like 6%. Until so, like, recently. Does, well, until recently, although I just looked and, um, with, with COVID, like the trailing 12 month, I think is something like 7.1. Whereas before I think we were up at like 12 or something for a while. So yeah. maybe we are, you think we're main reverting. Well, I don't know. Maybe, uh, even though everyone says that this is like that relationship is broken now. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Cause I've been quoting maybe Jeremy's right. I've been quoting Grantham, Buffett, Hussman, all saying exactly the same thing for about the last uh, 10 years, five or 10 years. And there's been, and that's been not true. And you've been called an idiot. <laughs> Repeatedly. <laughs> yeah, Buffett has a pretty good quote where he says that, uh, and I think he must have been talking about this in 1999. Uh, you know, he's, he's saying that, there, that some people tell him that there are more lawyers than there are people in New York. <laughs> right? Like the base, like the uh, one component is somehow going to grow and be bigger than the aggregate, right? Like that, it just doesn't make any mathematical sense. Uh, but he's talking about how you have to be wildly optimistic that corporate profits as a percentage of GDP can for any sustained period hold much above 6%. And so like, why is it 6%? Like, why does that number pop up here? Uh, I, I don't really know the answer. Like something about capitalism puts you at like 6%. And it's probably no, no accident that some number I've seen different numbers for this, but like one of the numbers I've seen for long-term returns on stocks are, it's like somewhere around 6%. Yeah. Um, it's similar to like what the business can produce. So it's also the long, so it's the like, inverse of the long run. Uh, Shiller PE is 16. That's right. That's a falls good out of the same number. Yeah. So, so like there's a couple, like, I think what, was interesting to me. I was like, I was sitting around trying to rack my brain. Like, why aren't there more of these sort of emergent magic numbers in, in the investment world? And I think what it tells us is that there, there's less logic to this maybe, and less, less like physics sort of, you know, certainty. And that it's, it's a lot more random than that, that we don't have more like real numbers. And I know some guys are going to say like, Oh, there's, what sort uh four net waves um i think you've talked about that before toby uh, those are kind of these is, or is it sornet sornet yeah yeah sornet um you know and then you get like fibonacci numbers and things like that but i find it interesting that there are not that many sort of like magic numbers that emerge out of the world that we we like to spend our time in and then maybe that tells me dude don't th this can get crazy and it's like there's no physics as much to like sort of keep it tethered to a reality and you just sort of have to accept that that's the domain that you're living in there's also actors in it that aren't economic so the fed and you have regulation as well that that can bias those numbers up and down maybe for a period of time, maybe for an extended period of time, it could be decades. But I think that the very long run means are probably closer to physics than. Mm. Yeah, I think that 7.1% right now profit margin, dude, that's with us shoveling how much money 
out the door into all of these companies. Plus, interest wow. rates are very low, which means that your consumer's got money to buy. The whole thing is goosed to get to to stay at seven. I find that to be a little bit frightening. And then pin the pin rates down really low, which which will bias up your multiples. And now you now we figured out why. Now, now you know where we, we are. Where we are. That's why we are where we are. The only problem is that if it, that finger ever comes off the the scale, then I think we go back to stasis. Maybe it goes back what anyway. I don't know. Well, what if you have to like live some time below the mean ever? I mean, it's happened in the past. Like that's literally why it's the mean. Yeah. Not not in the last twenty five years, but before then. Well, a lot of people are living below the mean. They just don't own assets. Well, we're talking about yeah, the, the average valuations, but yeah. Yeah, but maybe that's the answer, right? You you just get higher and higher. Maybe the the risk is not in the capital markets. Maybe the risk is societal. I one hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. If you if you if you put your hand on that scale too much, then you bias the asset owners and you you hurt the uh, the folks who don't have assets, and then it shows up in consumer inflation. Really hurt the people who don't have much money, and then you get a revolution, and then the people yeah. at the top lose their heads, and you start the cycle again. So you're saying that risk can't really be just destroyed; it's just transmuted into a different form, there which would be in this case maybe societal risk. Is that a, I think that I've got to give that to Corey Hofstein unless someone has a, an earlier version of that, but that's the that's the Hofstein. Is there an earlier version of that? Chris Cole, maybe. I don't know. It, those two probably are close together. I don't know who said it first. I think I think Corey gets there first. Both very smart guys, so I, they can they can yeah. split the Nobel on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I appreciate the corporate raider saying that I don't look very good right now. Sorry, sir. I don't get dressed for you. <laughs> Is this a also you podcast? changed you yeah you changed your your uh, avatar from my man Charlie Sharf to something else. You and your kid. No one wants to see that. Bring back Charlie. Charlie Sharp. <laughs> Throw your right, questions in, folks. Try to squeeze some questions in. Huh? Somebody said, "How do we think about private investments?" Same know. way I think about public ones. Are much cheaper, yeah. Uh, I have some private investments in real estate, but that's just because I can't do it on my own. Do you have any thoughts on? So I want to throw this one up here. Discovery. Um, it's been in the acquirer's multiple screen, a large cap, for a little while, and uh, we've talked about it offline quite a lot. Um, but I saw Malone sold a big chunk of it. Well, sorry, I don't know how. You know, he it was a lot of money. In an absolute sense, I don't know how much of it from a loan it was. It might have just been some lunch money, some folding money, walking around couch, money. Couch cushions. Couch yeah. money. You guys got any thoughts on, on Discovery? I don't know about his sale. He's 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 always doing stuff for taxes and stuff like that. And I don't really know. I personally don't believe in that entity uh, as much as I believe in some of the others. I just think that there's a big risk uh, in that entity where... You have a lot of viewership minutes that are not active and they're cited as people loving a program, but it's very possible that it's just a program staying on in a room that no one's watching. Yeah. And if you start to get into a world where people have to sign up for your service or we can start measuring eyeballs, 
I mean, you know, if you think the odds are good enough, bet it, but that's not worth my money. You got any thoughts on it, JT? No, nothing to add. The other thing is, like, Zaslaw lives in that big-ass house. He throws all those, like, parties and stuff. I don't know. That rubs me the wrong way. Not that Maffei doesn't, but Maffei also makes banks, so for his shareholders, that is. Yeah, so Discovery is a tough one, right? Because it's the, when you when you had the bundle, it was one of the things that you could put on, and you know, it's kind of it's like it's the least objectionable program. I think that's what I've, we've talked about it before. You can put it on, and you can just kind of veg out, and you can watch hours of that. But in a world where you've got everything at your fingertips, are you selecting that over other things? I don't know. I think it's probably everything on demand. It's tougher for that business, but and it's not how hard is it to go and make those documentaries. Netflix is running those nature-style documentaries, and they've got money for that, you know, Amazon gold mining type stuff. Yeah, I just don't know how defensible it is, and I I do think I mean they have good personalities, and they do have. I think like the Food Network and Curate together would be an interesting set of assets. I could see how those could work together, and they are forming a partnership, targeting the same but, demographic. Yeah, and I think that it makes sense that, like, if you're watching a personality cook, why can you not buy from the show? Like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I I think that the... They don't sell the spices? Cooking with my... In the kitchen with David? Yeah, but but that's on QVC, right? Like, what about Food Network or Bill and Joanna Gaines or something? Like, why can't you click some of the stuff in that room that they're showing? Or is it even Bill? I don't know. Backstory. So you're going to own more and more and more of the equity. You're not getting your money out. So I don't know why you would assume that you're going to get a bid on your shares when you haven't. So how do you get your money out? Then you're basically owning it to the end, and I'm not comfortable with that bet. Well put. Uh, Spotify versus YouTube, which is a better business? From a business quality standpoint, probably YouTube, right? Yeah. I mean, one gets everything for free and the other has to pay almost everything in royalties. It seems like I'd rather have the one that gets everything for free. Now, which is going to be worth more, I don't know, because YouTube has not become what I thought it would become. They seem to fumble some chances over there. What do you What do you think that what, what What Where were you aiming? What did you think was going to happen? It's odd to me that Spotify is now the music discovery place for a lot of people, right? In their playlists, like YouTube had a huge advantage in that, and I think that they, um, I don't know, singular focus can win. And the the I mean the podcast thing that I was mentioning, like uh, you know, some woman from Anchor reached out to me and she was like, can I host your podcast, right? I mean, they're they're over at Spotify. They are very, very focused on winning that market. Um, you know, now I'm not going to go with them at the moment, but at least you can see how a singular focus. It took Google like 10 days to even approve my podcast. It just got approved on the Google podcast thing. It's like ridiculous how slow they are on that. And it's because they don't care. There's nobody there. <laughs> yeah. How annoying yeah. is it too that like, that if you if you're trying to like listen to a YouTube on your phone and if you close your phone like it shuts down the. Well, Toby's the been YouTube. saying this forever. They're trying to get you to sub. They're trying I to get know, you to buy the sub. If you buy the sub, you can continue to play it when podcast. you close it. Yeah. If you don't watch this podcast like the second we close it, it sucks, and you get some weird ass <laughs> ads too. 
That's just your browsing history. <laughs> oh, that's possible. What I find amazing is how often it gets demonetized. Like anytime we say COVID demonetized, there's a dollar ninety eight uh, monetization oh, yeah. gone. Sorry, fellas. Man, there goes my lollipop. <laughs> Christmas is canceled. Boys. Christmas Sorry. is canceled. That's it. Speaking of which, you know, a lot of people bitched and bitched about the merch, and then the merch just sits. Order the merch. Tell me you want more merch. But order the merch. I'll put the link in the YouTube thing. Come on. Otherwise, I'm not going to invest in making more. <laughs> Do we have merch? Yeah, we got. Shut up. Get okay. out of here. Uh, I got. Do anybody want to take a swing at Alibaba? No. Anybody know anything there? Don't have anything. So the last time I looked at Alibaba, uh, I played the Yahoo stub when it went into Altaba, which meant that I shorted out the Alibaba. And it did make money, but I would have made a whole lot more money if I hadn't shorted out the Alibaba. But I took a look at those financial statements. You need to be a much better analyst than I am to understand what's going on in those things. As far as I can see, their main business is creating subs. They create more subs than there are days in the year. So I don't know what they're doing that for. Seems like subsidiaries. That seems like a, not not subscribers, subsidiaries. Yeah. You got a you got a legal department just churning out subsidiaries. Why? Why not, man? I don't know. Just it just was too, too all the risk. Too complicated for me. Yeah. <laughs> too hard. Yeah. Airbnb's IPO. I don't know. I'm I'm almost certain Bill Gates called it the best network effect he'd seen. It was in one of the old uh, Buffett interviews. If you go back and watch like the last three or four, okay. like three years. Airbnb. Yeah, Why? Because it's a, it's a two sided network of like really really fragmented owners and and a fragmented customer base. I'll check it out. I'll see if I can find it. I'm not gonna spend too much time looking though. But <laughs> if it's uh it's the the Berkshire interviews when he Munger and Buffett sit down is when I think he said it. One of those. Did anybody look at Did anybody look at Zoom? Has anybody taken a swing at Zoom? In terms For of what? valuation. No, I mean they had a they did have a, an incredible quarter last quarter. I mean they they printed a lot of cash. There you go. SEC SEC doesn't order the Alibaba financial statements. I'm gonna say best network effect. Catholic Church. I mean Zoom's like how do I invest? Time sales because five hundred years of data on it. One of the largest landowners in the world. Yeah. McDonald's, second under Macca's, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, here's what I don't understand on Zoom. Okay, you got huge growth this year, huge, two hundred sixty-two percent. Okay, to two billion dollars, we're trading at one hundred seventeen billion. So, whatever, lot, lots of time sales for those that want to figure it out. Um, you got them growing. Consensus is like forty percent growth in twenty twenty-four. Like, okay, why? 40% is a big number. Second like, what's going to happen in 2024? I'm looking at it. You got 300% this year. Okay, granted, everybody's locked in. Then next year, we're somehow going to grow 34% off that base, as if people aren't using it like crazy right now. Like, and then you come down to 21% and then you pop up to 40%. 20 I'm sure they have some product that they're releasing or something. I mean, these people aren't stupid that are modeling it, but how are we going to grow 34% off of this base? 
kids are in school on Zoom. You can't do anything without being on Zoom. And we're going to go 34% off that base? Well, there's one less as of yesterday. I can to get the fuck off Zoom. You'll see me zero times next year on it. Yeah. <laughs> I... Yeah. Like every corporate meeting is on Zoom right now. We're going to grow off that base. I just, I don't know, man. I just don't trust that. Maybe I'm the here's, idiot. Here's the thing. It could, it could work, but you don't want to make that bet a hundred times. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think that's right. Your odds offered are really bad. Now, you know, said the same thing last year. It's 118 billion. Thing 200% ago. Do people get locked in? Like 200%, dude. It opened the year to 21.3 billion dollar company. Now it's 117. Do people get locked in to these? Like, do you, does does this network effect eventually occur where everybody's just on Zoom and it's just easier to be on Zoom? What do you I'm think? Sure, a bull would tell you that, right? No way, dude. Skype is just as good to me. Go- Google Hangout Google or Hangouts. Google Meet or whatever. Yeah. Just as good. FaceTime. I mean. I don't know, whatever, man. It's <laughs> well, yeah. and like all the people that are sitting at home that started a podcast now that are like recording on Zoom. I mean, think of how many things happened on Zoom because nobody had anything else to do, and we're gonna grow thirty four percent off that base. Uh, I mean, it's growing forty percent between here and twenty twenty four, or it's growing forty percent in the year twenty forty percent per year. Twenty twenty two. This is consensus off Bloomberg, right? Twenty twenty two. The year ended 131, 2022. You're looking at 34% revenue growth. The year ended 131, 2023, 21%. The year ended 131, 2024, 40%. Why does it take off? I don't know. This is what I'm asking. you need that to get to this valuation. I think I see what I've been doing wrong. I've been fading these things. I should have been compounding them, accelerating them, accelerating those yeah. metrics. Rookie numbers. You need yeah. to pump up those rookie numbers. <laughs> like if I was underwriting now. this thing, I'd be like, all right, so next year we figure usage and everything falls off like 30%. And I'd rebase <laughs> I'd rebase my estimates from that. Well, maybe that's what they're, maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe that's what they're doing. Uh, I don't know. You got $7.4 billion of sales in the year ended 131-2025. We'll see. Maybe it works. They are doing a lot in phones. I like their investor day. It seems like a cool company. Better be. They're selling a lot of dreams for $118 billion. If you don't know how to sell it to the street, it's crazy. So, Wow. Whoa. <laughs> Sobering. How's your, how's your curate Zoom bit going? Let's get an update on that. I don't know. I think I'm winning. I, who cares? I got two and a half years, man. Yeah, well, that's fair. I just, I just wanted to see the inflection point. I think I'm I'm pretty certain that curates ahead. I it's gonna, think you are ahead. It's gonna be tough now. There we go, that's good. Chalk one up for the old value guys. Yeah. That, we're not not that we can take a knee, we've got two and a half years to run on it, but I think they're gonna going. have a really yeah. good quarter. The the stock market being up helps the wealth effect of the consumer. She's at home. She probably needs some retail therapy. I Doing think they Zoom got another, Yeah. Well, yeah. Between Zoom calls. <laughs> She's going to see David to forget about her pain. We're just selling her air fryers. <laughs> all right, amigos. That's uh, that's right on full time. Uh, we're all going to be here next week. Yeah. For better or worse. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll say something worth listening to next week. Let's, yeah, let's, let's redub all our efforts and come back with something <laughs> a little better here. All right, fellas. I had a great time. See you next week, folks. Ciao.
Cheers.